Welcome to the All Walks of Art podcast. Hey, I I uh, want to introduce my good friend. His name is Paul. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. All right. I had two gigs last night. I heard. We will get to that too, because that is part of the discussion. But first, I want to bring everybody up to speed on what we're going to talk about today, because I have been told we have to really get in there and let people know what it's about, or they're just going to go to something else. Do you really think people are that fickle? Well, we are. We're, we live in a society now where, you know, it's a the one-minute news cycle. It's yeah. the, you know Facebook. It's yeah, yeah. it's the thing. It, it's like it's like Snapchat all over again. Everybody's in it. Yeah. I've noticed that with myself. Even I mean, even though I kind of, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't born into this like like a lot of the younger people were. Oh, but yeah. it's something that came around. But I mean, even. Last night I'm trying to wind down. I'm trying to watch a show. That's usually my decompression time. But yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, looking through Instagram. I'm looking through Facebook. I'm doing this and that. Why the show's on? I'm. I find myself. I split my, I split my consciousness quite a bit. Oh I, yeah. I'm yet. I'm not focusing on yeah, any one thing. So so hard. So the show today. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say we're gonna briefly talk about this one. Math versus art. It's kind of important. I, I, I kind of want to discuss it because it's, it's a little different. I think some things come up in conversation that I think might be fun. Guilty pleasures. We'll, oh, get, we'll get to that. Um, artist crutches. I wrote a blog post about it, about that uh, last weekend. And uh, I discovered a new show. It's comedians in cars getting coffee. It's new to me. Oh, I love it. I've been down with it for years and years. Oh, see that? I, I just miss this stuff. You know? It's more of that technology crap, you know. I and then I got nothing done yesterday because of, I mowed, I burned a bunch bunch of uh, stuff in my fire pit outside, and uh, I didn't even drink when I mowed. That was kind of wild. But the beer we have today, because oh, I want to, yeah. I want to share this that? with everybody before we get into it. It's by Dogfish Head. It's called Sequench Ale. It's a session sour, meaning that you can drink more than one of them you can have a good time with it's not a high percentage it's a 4.9 yeah 4.9 percent i hope i'm reading that right my eyes uh 4.9 percent i'm not a huge fan of lime um but don't don't tell that to sprite yeah yeah i don't we'll never get a sponsorship i hate sprite i really do i just hate it it's awful does it sound like we're on a ship i wonder to everybody else probably probably not well as I look at the meters, that is well below the 40, negative 40 dBs that I normally cut out. So oh, we're, we're probably okay. Good. No one else is noticing the fan in the background that's making a lot of noise. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a Stanley uh, ventilator uh, fan. It's It blo- it just blows out cold air. It's re- I don't understand how it works. I mean, it, obviously fans blow air. I get that. But it, it it's almost like the air is cold. Yeah. It, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I love it. It's, it is pretty yeah. It works for good. I use it to ventilate my studio when I'm painting and, and things like that. But let's crack open this beer because I want to yeah, see, see your face. Speaking of mathematics and, and art, this when you make beer, there is a science behind it that requires a lot of math. You got to be a nerd, you know, to be able to put this stuff together. But it's creative. And that's kind of where I'm going that's with cool. this. So, yeah, I get it. 
Um, is there a special way to pour this? I normally you usually, nah, usually nah. pour it for me. So nah, just just get it in there. Just <laughs> <laughs> all righty then. <laughs> it's it's from a can, man. It's just from the can. But uh, yeah, this is a a nice little ale. It's a sour, so just understand it's going to be sour. Okay, it's not you know if you're into sour stuff. Hey, the big painting's not. gone. It is. It's sitting over here today. It's out of the way. I did a Jack Daniels painting. Remember the one you said, dude, when we do this next time, we better be done. You know? Yeah. It's almost done. I got to let it dry oh, for I'm a little while. I'm looking at it right now. Looks I got to play with it, you know? So go ahead. I want, I want to see your fun. face before I giggle and blow it out my nose. <laughs> wow. I figured you'd like it because it's different. It's not like beer, beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like so, that. I dig That's it. It's cool. I don't like the aroma at all. No, no, it's but kind man, of funky. This, this has got a good taste. Though. I drink yeah. this. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's it's different. Lisa actually will drink it. My wife. What are you saying? Uh, what are you trying to say? <laughs> she hates beer. I mean, literally hates it. I know you dislike it, but she despises it. Unless it comes in one of them little blue cans, what her her friends are drinking. So she I need to try that uh, that masagave that I got. Yes, I have to bring yeah, one I over. Think, for I it. think she'd like it. So the the topic of math versus art, it's not really I'm not putting them in a in a ring and saying which one's more important, but um it it kind of come up in conversation. Uh Alejandro on our uh, Discord server had brought it up that it'd be a good conversation. Something that makes him think a lot. And I I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to actually do the discussion justice for I think what he's looking for, but um, the I, I guess what I'm saying is are are creatives just free thinkers and the analytic side of math? I guess that's kind of where we have to go with this for a second. You, you we all use different parts of our brain. You know, the left side does this, right side does that. That's what they say. The front rear all that jazz center whatever you have a logical brain you have a creative brain and you know critical thinking all these things kind of come into play i think to some degree without math art can't happen it's all math whether you realize it or not you, you know uh, visual art is about angles and geometry and yeah perspectives it is music is about um timing timing relationship yeah. between tones um just when you brought it up it made me think of mudvane mudvane oh, yeah. mudvane is mudvane is a metal band that is famous well they're actually they're called math metal that's the, yeah and they're famous for um writing music out of certain patterns they'll they'll come up with the patterns mathematically before they'll mm -hmm. write the music now is that a way everybody should do that hell no but right. it's worked for them and it's kind of cool. It's just a different way of doing things. Yes. Um, you know, photography is all math and oh, angles. Yeah. And yeah. Even if you don't realize it, I mean, just because just because I don't understand how, you know, a, a G to a D and those intervals in between, mm -hmm. just because I don't understand the, the mathematics of it, that doesn't change the fact that there right. is a mathematic quantification to that thing so well, it's, it's interesting the the normal 
note pattern that we we all learn. Uh, help me if I'm wrong, because again, I'm a drummer, so it's kind of fuzzy in my head about how it works. But isn't it always whole, 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 half, whole, half, something like that? Like uh, whole, some- whole note, whole note, whole note. I guess I could figure it out if I sat and wrote it right. down for yeah, a second. Yeah, something you know? like that. Well, if you look at the Because B, B to C is a half, right? A half. B to C is a whole. Okay. So and then there's B flat is the half that, you know. Okay. Or B flat's before that. It's B, C sharp, C. See what I'm saying? Yeah. But then that's not even an absolute because then sometimes you have ones that don't have semitone. That's why the keys on a piano look the way they do. Right. That's so. what I was getting at. Yes. There, there's It's a mathematical layout of the notes of what is a natural note right so and that's just in the western scale too so like if you go like to eastern oh my mind's blown they have you just <laughs> you just ruined it for me <laughs> they have because we have but wait there's 12 more? we got 12 tones but they have like uh i can't remember i can't remember the number but you know is there an, is there an indian michael jackson oh i'm sure there is There was a guy who's a, a he was a, I'm pretty sure he was Indian, and he was on the Sting song. It's a very good song that Sting came out with. Uh, well, it's been probably uh, you fifteen got, years. You got ago. me thinking of Omar Hakim, and and he's a drummer, right? But he's not Indian. We're, we're not talking about him. No, he's just got an Indian sounding name. Apparently. Yeah, but uh, this guy uh, guested on uh, Sting's song, and he's like overseas. He's he is like the Michael Jackson or mm-hmm. the Prince of, mm-hmm. you know, the Eastern thing. But I can't remember that guy's name. It's an old song, but it's pretty cool. Interesting. I'm sorry. What, I'm rambling. No, no, you're not. You're not. That's 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 what we do here. We ramble. If, Rambles uh, and music. If you're just joining the show for the first time, th- this is exactly what we do. We drink. We we act as if my studio is a lounge, and we uh, we talk about creative stuff. Um, it's all walks of art for crying out loud. It's not. You know, we're not looking at one thing, right? And why is it walks? Do you, ever, you know, I just realized. Well, like it's all not, walks of life. No, but I know, but it's not all runs of art. Not all <laughs> runs of life. You know, walking, that's that's a. Have you looked at me lately? No, but <laughs> it's. I can't run unless there's a pizza involved. There's there's a message. There's a message in there that you don't really realize, especially when it comes to art or being creative. It's not about running through it. It's not about rushing to the destination it's yeah. about walking through and taking I've it i've never in. thought of it that way you know uh it, it's famous most people know this but you know steve jobs used to love to walk that was his thing you know he'd say hey walk with me and they just talk i have found that the more i walk and just think i am so much more creative i don't know if it's the air i'm getting more oxygen to my brain and i'm thinking i, I don't know what that is i don't know if the well act- we talked about that a little bit last week it's about uh engaging your mind in a yeah yeah in a, yeah in a, a right brain task it frees up your left brain to be creative. exactly so my my thought on this math versus creativity thing is i i think neither one can exist without the other let me explain in art if we're creating something there has to be fundamentals involved there has to be something there that says this is how it's laid out this is the uh the philosophy, so to, so to speak, that puts it all together. And without those fundamentals in that philosophy, that it really isn't anything and you get Jackson Pollock. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that out of the way. But then it's the same way in math. You know, if Einstein didn't think outside the box, would we have had the theory of relativity the way it's 
presented today. Would we have, you know, if Isaac Newton wasn't sitting on the ground, as the story goes, and getting hit in the head with an apple, if if he wasn't thinking outside the box creatively, would we grasp all that right away? I mean, you, there has to be some creative thought involved in breakthrough, I think. And that's really where we're at. It's It's not a matter of these nerds over here do this because that's all they're good at. I'm not talking like, you know, that, that TV show with, uh, uh, it was on TV for a long time. You know, that there's a lot Sheldon, of Sheldon, Sheldon, oh, uh, big bang there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're clearly very analytical people, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, you, you touched on something there is what, is was Einstein an artist? He was eccentric enough. He could have been. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know his background really. I is, don't know if he's but, a musician but, or not purely just on what you know about him scientifically. Is his? I, I would argue that uh, clearly uh, Tesla was an artist. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But I think know. Einstein was in that in that regard. Yeah, I, I do believe he was. I think I think he was looking beyond the status quo. And I think that's what artists do. I think we look and we find something that we want to do regardless of what society says we should be doing. But what we normally, uh, look at as art is a little less, it, it, it's harder to quantify. It's harder to, but yeah. science is easier. But yes. at the same time, I, I think it's, uh, the science was magic. Right. Which was an art. Exactly. Is, I should say. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think it all intertwines. I think it's just us as people, the human race. I think our brain just works that way. We we have to think. We have to express, you know. So, I don't know. I would love to hear what other people think about it. This is really hard for me to just jump in and say definitively this or that. Um, I don't think you can have one without the other. So, what do you think of guilty pleasures? I don't believe in them. Uh, at the term, really, really irritates me. Yeah. I mean, you've really hit me on. Uh, yeah. You've really hit a hot button with me. Um, I, I don't because believe. I don't, I don't think it's guilty. Yeah, I believe in pleasure. Oh, I do too. And if if you like something and you're not and you're not hurting somebody else and you're not violating uh, somebody right. else's um, uh, rights or or their, um, uh, you know you're not hurting somebody else's emotional well-being. Exactly. There is no there is no guilty pleasure. There's only pleasure. If you like Nickelback, <laughs> you shouldn't have to uh you shouldn't have to put that on your guilty pleasure. If it makes you happy. If it makes you happy, don't worry about what this fat guy says on the on this podcast. No, nah, it don't matter. Everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> I just I, I like to joke about it. And, and that's that's like it's just like with Jackson Pollock or anything. It's like I really hate uh when somebody says something sucks. Okay, I don't like it. That's what right. that's a term we should be using. And I'm guilty of it too. I yeah. say things suck. I'm not a big fan of a lot of black yeah. metal. Um but if if somebody puts something else out there and one person likes it, who the hell are you to try to invalidate somebody else's feelings on it? Yeah, now, I will don't, say don't play it around me. Please. I will say this because I, I have to say this. Since you brought up Jackson Pollock, I guess you could call it my guilty pleasure that I actually love watching movies about Picasso, Jackson Pollock, Van Gogh. You know, I don't like their art, 
really I don't, but it's just, I love their lifestyle. I love what they've gone through. I love the, the whole process of what they did. I can respect what they've done to some degree. I, I think it's just in my judgment that the type of artwork I do is at odds with the work that they did. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they came up, they came up about at a time when art was changing. And I think we're doing that again today. I think there's a resurgence of classical realism again. And some of the uh, artistic license that people have had over the 1970s and 60s and 80s even, I think that art, I think that license has expired, so to speak, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, they're just, you know, why is that art? You know, and that, that's a whole nother. But that, if you, when you watch these topic. shows, when you watch these shows, do you, do you actually feel guilty afterwards? No, no. Do you I, feel, I learned is, something. Is there anything, is there anything that you do that afterwards you think, Oh God, I'm glad my friends didn't see, see me doing that. I really love that. Does that not in that respect? My only guilty pleasure is thinking they suck. Honestly, as you, since you brought that up, it's why do, why do I feel this way? That's you know, interesting. Um, taking it to Nickelback for a second. Nickelback has become popular to joke about. They just be kind of, they just became the butt of all rock jokes, right? And they're laughing all the way to the bank. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, I'll listen to pop music. I listen to rock, heavy metal, jazz. I don't like country. Really don't. I tried. Even played it for a while for bands. But Oh, God, I can't do that. Yeah, it just. I like, was listening to it last night. I drove. I had to drive my beater to the gig because yeah. of uh, don't have a band van right now. And I had to throw everything in my in my old Impala, yeah. the leaky transmission. And uh, it only picked up two stations. And one was a Christian station and one was a... Uh, bluegrass basically and yeah wasn't too bad unless i actually for uh you know i'm i'm decidedly non-religious but, yeah but i still listen to gospel uh you know i grew up in in church and whatnot and uh i like christian music and i mean i guess if i felt guilty about it that would be a guilty pleasure but <laughs> i think um, if, if if somebody makes you feel guilty for doing something that you like and then they're the ones with the problem. It, it's just like, you know, we've talked about uh, younger people getting involved in, in our, or older people. And if they're doing watercolors or they're doing paint by numbers or they're doing something that is beneath us, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because the yeah. collective quote unquote us as yeah. artists, yeah. you know, if they're doing something that, that is at least a little bit creative and they like it, well, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know us as not just as artists, but especially artists are supposed to be inclusive and, and there's just, there's too much of that in music. And, and I think in fine art where mm-hmm. it's, you know, we're all part of the same tree, man. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. until we stop, uh, making other people feel yeah, guilty for yeah. things they like, how are we going to grow? Yeah. You're, you know, if you like Nickelback, who, anybody, oh. if, if you like, say, Nickelback, how dare you? There is a tribe of people who like Nickelback. You know, find that tribe. I don't know. The The whole idea here of Guilty Pleasures was uh, for me to give a creative little segue to that show that I love. That I literally... You are so behind the game, bud. 
I know, behind right? the times, whatever. I, behind I the just, game, that's a new. That's I don't my know new how phrase. I found it. It's almost like it was recommended to me by Netflix. Like it's almost like Netflix well, said, you know, the new apps just the came out. Stuff. The new ap- ap- episodes came out last week, so oh, that's why. That's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this show, this was started out as an internet show, and that Jerry Seinfeld did. Yeah, and that's what comedians in cars getting coffee, getting coffee, not having coffee because you wouldn't have coffee in the car. I mean, you can, but they did do that. Go and one of the very early ones, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it started out it was just an internet show, and yeah. Crackle picked it up. Crackle, such a goofy name. Crackle I still really is a it. uh, Crackle. It's a free streaming service. You get Crackle. It's been around forever, <laughs> and. uh that's what I used to watch it on up until, you know, this mm. it being on Netflix is a relatively new thing. Really? Yeah. And uh it's just it's a great show. I love that show and oh, I couldn't get away from it. No. And they're so they're short, you know, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes here. I mean, I think 22 minutes is the longest one I've seen yet yeah. or watched yet. And there's one there's well there's a there's a couple two-parters and that are yeah. kind of longer, but they're like you never feel like that there's filler. Yeah, yeah, and it's just amazing to me because I really correlated it with YouTube. These people who do these uh, uh, vlogs on YouTube—it's almost like, well, there's your formula. If you're always looking for something that you can do every day that's different, but you're doing the same thing every day or every time you record, that's what it looks like when a professional crew does it. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got this sequence of things that happen with some bits of flexibility, but that's what entertains people. You know, you, you, whatever. I don't really know how to explain well, it. I'm think sucking at this today. People, you know, I feel it's like too early. the beauty of this show is, is like, and I don't know how much of it is true, but you know, Seinfeld says it's Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. and he picks a car and he, he, you know, claims to select these cars, uh, depending on the guest. Mm-hmm. He'll talk about it at the beginning. Cause he's a big car guy too. Right. A lot of Porsche. And, then he shows up and picks up the the guest who's you know a comedic you know either a stand up comedian or a comedic actor most right, yeah. you know generally, and then they go for a ride to to some place to get something to eat and get some coffee, mm-hmm. and in the course of that they're having a conversation in the car, and then they get to the diner and they're having a conversation. Yeah. So it's the it's very much the classic talk show format, but it's. It's Free turned upside down yeah. because it's just a conversation. It's like yeah. what we're doing. We're exactly. just we're just having a talk. Exactly. And I feel like guys like me and you really like it so much because I, I think it just makes whoever the guest is at that time they're just hanging out. They're not behind a desk, you know, with yeah. a live studio they're audience. Real. Yeah, they're just they're you just know. hanging out, and yeah. you're catching catch, catching that glimpse almost behind the scenes. Yeah, I would love to play a clip, but I know that there's probably some copyright um you think if we got suit though man that could be good for our brand it could but i don't have any money i'm an artist (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean mean, my my day job i'm an artist so i'll never quit my day job but uh so so far how many episodes are you through on that show i am uh i'm getting ready to start the one where he's talking to kramer from the show that Michael uh, Richards Richards yeah um, he it's pulls been up so long since I've seen those old episodes I don't pulls know. up in this uh, rusty blue VW van that's been chopped and converted to a, a truck uh, it's it's really kind of cool I, they probably came that way from the, 
the factory at one time, but uh, they're they're just I'm just getting started into this one right now. But um, they're they're fun. They're so much fun because they they do exactly what I intended this show to be eventually. Because I would love to do some video with these. I want to put them on YouTube, and we end up going off and talking to more people and um, doing it on location versus here and coming up with a better way. Now, one of the things that with the show that I like it, it, you know, you don't have a microphone in your face like you do on a radio show or a podcast. So I know they're using lavaliers and wireless. We could do that, but then it kind of loses the whole podcast feel, so to speak. Right. So I don't know. I'm still, still playing around. I, the all and, walks and of he's got a camera right. crew and a, and a, and oh, a sound yeah. crew to, to handle. Yeah. All. Usually three, three or four GoPros and whatever it is they're using to get the different angles while they're driving. And then, then you got the the chase car and the <laughs> the lead car doing video, and that's the key there. And back to YouTube videos that people are making because everybody wants to be a filmmaker these days. Nothing wrong with that. This is how things get done, but they're cutting a lot. There really isn't anything longer than three seconds, right? Uh, that's what I've been noticing anyway. I've been really kind of analyzing them. So why does this work? Why is this so addicting? Why did I just waste an entire Saturday <laughs> watching episode after episode and eating cereal on the couch instead of making something good to eat? And uh, I actually made I, I quit coffee to some degree a couple of weeks ago. You, I, I think we might oh, have wow. discussed that. Yeah. And uh, watching the show, just it was like an addiction to me. It's like oh, I gotta have coffee. <laughs> I, I had to have it so bad that I went to the kitchen. And I boiled water in a teapot, right, to get the hot water. And then I, uh, my my coffee machine's put away. It's what it boils down to. It's didn't want to get it out. Didn't want to run. It's it's a bun. So you got to there's a process to get it going. You got to heat water in it for a while, and then you got to dump it, and then you got to heat it, and you got to dump it, and then you got to heat it, and then you pour what you want in there, and then you can make coffee. It's like I don't want to do all that. I want to watch the show and drink some coffee. So I'm not a hipster. I don't have the cool Chemex setup like some of these guys who that do, and I don't have a, a French press or any of the cool percolators or any of those newfangled things. But during the show, you keep seeing these pour-overs, all these really yeah. cool things, right? And I'm like, I could pour over. I can do this. <laughs> so I grabbed the basket, put one of my filters in it, put my coffee in it, put the basket on top of my mug, and used the hot water I made in the teapot and poured it in there. So I improvised. It was good, but it was 1230 at night, and I'm drinking really heavy coffee, and I paid for it. I went to bed at 5 this morning, knowing that I had to get up by 11 to do this podcast (laughs) and be awake enough to do it. My, My stomach is killing me. It's like, dude, what the hell? Why did you do this? You know, and I, I can't help it. I, I had to do it. Watching and, him drink all this coffee was a trigger. Yeah, and then Lisa, she was, she's gone. She's off on her one of her little trips that she likes to do. And um, I got told right away, make sure you feed the deer, make sure you water my plants, make sure you take care of our animals. You know, <laughs> make sure there's nuts for the squirrels. You know, we we live in the woods for crying out loud. <laughs> They're they're coming over because it's like oh hey the dumb dumb people over there the humans are making everything easy for us you know so 
I knew I had to give myself a half an hour to go out and do all that today before you came over. Cause right before you came over, there was a deer laying in the yard waiting for breakfast. Wow. Yeah. So I went out and did that. I got, got their fresh corn. You're like snow white. It's yeah, it's, it's really bad. So my eyes are heavy and I thought I'd be jacked up on coffee still, but I'm not. And then there was a part of me that said, make coffee today. And you know, it's just not, not going to work out. But anyway, big, big hit of a show for me. I really, I really dig it. Uh, some people love Jerry. Some people hate Jerry, uh, you know, yeah, but this is a little bit different. It is. He, he does have the wine that he does, you know, which is, I think it's his, his personality. He can't get away from it. So I think it's funny. So that's my, my that's you, my latest guilty pleasure. When you get to, when you get to the <laughs> new ones, it's very good. It's, I was really excited about this season. It just came out recently because oh. of Eddie Murphy's on there. Yeah, he was on. I saw. I think that might be the first one I seen before I went back and started watching that's, some of the other ones. That's the cover. The cover photo for the new season yes. is the one yeah. with Eddie. But it's really cool, man. It is. They're funny. I mean, they're little little things are in there. The, the just the talked about math a little bit the timing that a comedian uses is everything yeah you know they're they can they can just drag something out and bam it's right there you know he talks about that one he's like he's like you know if it's here funny if it's here just it's just a little bit off not funny right it's all about hitting your mark and hitting i wish i could remember the comedian's name went to the funny bone to see him um Man, I can't. I cannot think. He come out. He looked like um, Jim Carrey. Like he was wearing that suit, like from the mask, the movie, the mask. And he had, but his it was purple. He looked like a cross between a, the Jim character, <laughs> Jim character, the Jim Jim, Jim Carrey character on the mask and a pimp. That's kind of where he was because he's a black guy. Not not because he's a black guy. He's a pimp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I almost went there wrong. Stupid it, white guy disease here. Okay. <laughs> was it Cat Williams? That's what it sounds that like. That sounds like, yeah. He had the kind of long permed hair. Because back then he did. He might have. I don't I don't really remember, but he the point here that I'm trying to get to is that he did this great joke that he he actually set it up first, said, I'm gonna I'm gonna spring a new joke on you guys. He's like, I call it the laugh grenade. You know, something like that. And he goes, so I'm going to pull a pin. I'm going to throw it out there. And there won't be any laughing. It'll take two seconds before you all get it. And then you start laughing. And I don't know how he formulated the 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 setup, but it worked. And it was like all of us got it at the same time. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious because it was like, I didn't get the joke. And then everybody started laughing because you get it. And I, I wish I could remember the guy's name because that was just pure genius. Look I up, think. look up Cat Williams later. I bet that sounds like him. It, it probably is. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you're giving, <laughs> you're giving me this look. Like, no, I'm just, what the hell, man? <laughs> I, I'm not getting anything out of this sour. What do you mean? I'm not buzzing. Well, I got half a can left of mine. I'm not. <laughs> you can have mine too. I don't know. I got, I got, uh, 
I like to do things when I drink. <laughs> oh, God. Like what? <laughs> I wrote my blog post um, about crutches while I was drinking. So there was a part of me felt like, is alcohol my crutch? Hmm. I'm not going to add that to the bot to the podcast. I'm not going to add it to the blog because <laughs> I don't do 12 step programs very well. I, I just think if I get involved in something like that, it's just, I'm, I'm going to fail. Like I do with everything else and I don't want to quit. I think alcohol's, you know, is, is alcohol crutch or, or, you know, and a lot of people like to smoke some weed before they create. Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes it can be a crutch, but it's just, more so it's just part of the ritual yeah yeah part of the setup it seems like we're very we're very um routine oriented without being in a routine yes it's just it's something different we have our routines but we don't realize they're routines right i i go by the when i write i go by Ernest hemingway's method of write while you drink edit while you're sober most of the yeah. time I don't, my blog hardly ever gets edited. I just kind of scan through it and make sure it's, you know, good enough. Cause I'm not a writer, I'm an artist for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, the title of my blog was, are you an artist or do you rely on your process? Meaning. And, and I, I used a guitar player in one of my examples that there are so many musicians out there who wants so bad to play a song that they don't develop an ear first and they rely on tablature for everything they do. So they never really get to that part of being a creative musician because one, they didn't probably learn the fundamentals to begin with. Not saying that they can't learn it as they're going and use that crutch to get going. I think there has to be a level of, once you get to the point where you're playing good and you got your fingers doing what you're supposed to be doing, stop relying on tab so much. Start listening because tab isn't always right. Tab is based on whatever somebody else thought it was supposed to be. Right. So I kind of went down, down that path. Um, the site size method for fine artists, like, uh, the drawing it's behind you right now where I'm, I'm drawing a picture of Homer in, uh, that don't, that don't look like Simpson. <laughs> right. You take uh, the Charles Bark plate. That one's um, I-54. And then I'm basically stepping back a few feet, looking at it, memorizing what I'm looking at, walking up to my paper and making the mark based on memory, and then backing up and looking at it again. And I keep going back and forth that way until it gets done. Now, you would think I'd take forever, but... This drawing really only took a couple hours. He's got, it. I, I like it. He's got a stronger chin. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things I did wrong. You think? <laughs> yeah. I think it looks yeah. good. I, it, I it, like yours better. It actually. does. I still, I got to do some things under the, the hair band. His, his hair in the middle on his forehead's wrong. Really wrong. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's off by a couple centimeters to the right. But. The site size method has been proven to teach people how to see. The trouble is people who start to develop that, they no longer can work 
from memory or from life or they just can't go outside and paint. They can't because they, they always, they rely on perfect. Uh, how can I say this? They rely on perfect conditions. The lighting always has to be proper. The look always has to be right. The, they can't improvise. No, exactly. That's, that's what I was looking for there and I couldn't find it. That's what I'm here for. Um, so that happens. The grid method is another method that artists use that have, has kind of ruined a lot of people. Um, Grid method is popular with people who work from photos. They'll take a photo and then they'll put a grid on it so that they can say that, okay, each one of my squares on my photo equals a two-inch square on my canvas or my paper. And they transfer that same grid, different scale, to their work. And then they transfer it over and, and just draw that way, which it does work because you're, you're focusing harder on this is how far away this is from that point. So it's a lot of math. Right. But you put all this stuff together and you go, okay, good. So then when you got in real life, you try to paint a scene sitting on a bench somewhere, you look at it and go, I don't have a grid. <laughs> I can't, I don't know how far away that is, you know, and then they just, they crumble. So those crutches sometimes have, have a way of creeping in and becoming detrimental to your abilities. They're only there to get you going. I think the fundamentals still must be learned so that you can go out and do the things that you do as a creative. You agree? Yeah, to an extent. I'm one of those guys that, uh, you know, I learned from playing tab mm -hmm. and, uh, I didn't really understand when I was coming up, I'm playing bass in the deep in the hills of Benton County by myself with no other musicians. And I'm trying to figure this stuff out. It wasn't until I was trying to play an Alice in Chain song and, uh, I realized, oh, I figured, I kind of figured that riff out a little bit. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't understand that that was a thing that you could, I mean, it just, it seems just so, I got a poor grasp for the obvious sometimes, I always mm -hmm. have. But as a young musician, I just, I thought you had to, to learn a song, you had to get a book and mm -hmm. have somebody show you how they did it. And, um, I, uh, I figured one little riff out. I was like, wow, you can, you can kind of listen to this and, mm -hmm. and figure that out. I never really, I have a, I have decent relative pitch, but I have, I'm terrible at figuring stuff out from listening. Like I can, I can figure out my way to play along with it, but I can't figure out with somebody. I've just never been able to, to do that. I'm not, I think that's a part of the reason why I'm not a big, you know, cover song guy. Right. Um, I just like to create my own, stuff you know um and do if i think do you think though that learning tablature and learning the things that, the way you learned that helped you with improvisation to make up your own stuff it did for me because it showed me um it showed me you know a cross-section of certain songs and that's what i did i would get tablature and i'd learn riffs mm -hmm. and then from that I would create my, you know, I know how this sound. I know how these yeah. two notes sound like, okay, well, that got me started on this song. Yeah. I can kind of limp through paranoid. And, and you, you learned what sounded right together. Exactly. Because eventually you realize as a musician, these notes don't sound good because they're out of the scale. Right. So. But for me, like a lot of other musicians didn't have that. Now, I think knowing myself and knowing my skill set um, without that, I think 
we'd be having a totally different discussion because mm-hmm. I don't think it would have forced me to learn things by ear because I just don't think I'm that great at that. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get around it. Other people, you know, that, you know, they didn't have somebody show them this or that like I did, but they were able to hear it and they could just play it. Right. So that propelled them into a, another direction. And it's like you mentioned a lot, you know, tab, especially internet tab, you don't know who's coming up yeah. with it. And sometimes, oftentimes it's wrong or in the wrong position. Um, but usually it's somebody that's got a little bit better ear than me and they're mm-hmm. close enough to where I can, I can fill in the blanks. What I always loved about like, um, some of my, uh, uh, bass books and guitar books, I got one where it's all of Faith No More's catalog from, mm-hmm. uh, the real thing. And I'm a huge fan of Billy Gould. He actually helped, uh, the transcriber, okay. uh, do that. that. Helps. And that yeah. And that's why, you know, a lot of guys don't like, you know, a lot of purists they're like, well, you just read sheet music because, you know, it shows the E and then if it's a low E, you could play it here or you could play it here or right. if it's a, you know, middle E. And that's could, where you're talking about position. Right. Yeah. For me, uh, especially like if I'm trying to delve into his style, I want to know if he's playing that E at the, at the um, seventh fret or if he's playing the E on the other string at the second fret. Right. See what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. It's That's important to me yeah. just if I'm yeah, learning. Some of our listeners may not understand the position. Like if you're right-handed, you got your left hand on the neck. Where your fingers are actually at have a lot to do with the feel of the song. Right. It, it, the timber, the the nuance, the way you can bend. It's it's like you got uh, um, it's like the E that is on the, the seventh fret of the A string is the same exact note as the E that's on the second fret of the D string, mm-hmm. if I'm visualizing that right. Mm-hmm. And that's the same note, but where you play that is two totally different things. Just like on a five-string bass, the the fifth fret on the B string is an E, right. and that's the same note as the open E on the... Yeah. On the on the bass or the guitar. Now, where you play that at leads your hand at you know it leads your mind it leads your hand to yep. totally different situations. Exactly. You're playing totally different, and it's good for you to figure out how you want to do things, how you want to approach that. To, it's just like a painter using colors. Right. You know, it's this. It's the same color blue, but it's mixed a little bit different. There's something right. different. Right. Um. But if you're trying to learn somebody's style, it's it's interesting to look at video or to look at um, uh, tab that they've been involved with or somebody that's really studied mm-hmm. them. So you kind of know where their their position is because that's it, it's important for the next the next part of the song or next. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well they played this down here, so that lead that makes it easier to go in this next part. Or they played it up here, but then they went into some totally weird part after that. It's like, well, how did they make that transition? Well, they're playing that. They're starting out closer than where you're wanting to. Exactly. So. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I need to make this clear too. I'm not saying that these crutches are bad. Sometimes it, we talked about the 10,000 hour rule. Uh, one of, one of the last episodes, one of our episodes, I can't remember which one it was from uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book. And you know, sometimes you got to take a little bit of a shortcut to get yourself going, you know, and I'm not saying tablature is a shortcut. I'm not saying that site size or, uh, the grid method or, 
Well, any te- of these things are sh- are shortcuts, but anything that can help you get into perfection, into where you want to be as an artist, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I use the analogy of, of uh, or not the analogy, but I, I talked about how in the beginning I'm not talking about crutches when I was talking about my blog. It's hard to hard to pull that out of there and try to say this in a audio situation, but you know, it's like breaking your foot. You're going to need that crutch for a while. You know, it, it's not permanent, but it helps you do what you have to do, right? Yeah. When you don't need that crutch anymore, it's time to put the crutch away and learn to walk on your own two feet. That's kind of where I'm going with this here. You know, I study the site size method because it trains my eye to know what's right and what's wrong without having to use any kind of other method of doing it. You know, like uh, like a lot of folks don't realize this, but you can hold a, a painting up to a mirror. And for most of us, we'll see the mistakes right away. Really? Yeah, because your brain is looking at it differently. And you're like, oh, crap. This that, is really a thing? Yeah. So hmm. uh, you can turn things. I work upside down a lot. Like one of the reasons that's a board, uh, I'm pointing at my easel right now for those who can't see. The reason I use a drawing board and have that taped to the board is so that if I want to turn it upside down, I can work on it upside down or sideways or whatever. My brain is looking at it differently. And I want to be able to do that. Now, with site size and you have a, like in a shadow box, you have your, whatever it is you're working on. Um, you can't do that because you don't want your stuff to move. It's a very, it's a precision based thing. But when you're working on the same board from one picture to your work it's a little different i i don't know am i making any sense here you are all right so it's just like anything though any, anything anything and everything in the world can has a use and can be good and um it's just like you say tablature or um you know some of these methods it's great as long as you don't learn to rely solely on on them and as long yeah. as you're using them to further your own ability and not just using them your crutch analogy analogy with a broken foot is great the part you left out is as your foot heals you're using the crutch less and less if you don't get off the crutch you're you're never going to gain strength back exactly you're never going to grow exactly yeah you got to wean yourself off of it that don't mean just throw it all away on day two but you learn to rely on other things yeah i'm not referring to crutches as a cheat either right i don't think I don't think it's a cheat. Like if you're if you're tracing like in in the in the topic of art, if you're tracing something and you're putting it down, you're you're losing the fundamental of being able to draw. You know, I know a lot of painters who actually I don't know a lot of painters. I have heard of a lot of painters who will take uh a photo, trace it, transfer that tracing onto their canvas and work from that. I know that when you paint that, you're using a different set of skills to get the look correct. You can't trace a color, right? You can't, you just can't do that. It's really hard to even trace or to give some sort of depth of value in in that tracing. But the fundamental part of drawing is gone because you've just. But it's still art. It is, but I think it's a cheat. It is. Listen to your voice. Yeah, it's a cheat though. I mean, you start out with a cheat. I would rather you learn how to draw. And that's where, you know, the site size method might help you. The grid method might help you. 
it's at least getting you away from legit. It, it's getting you away from copying exactly the same thing. Yeah. It gets really hard when you, when you start thinking about stuff like this, because you know, there, there's a, there's a dirtiness to it. You know, it's like, well, I don't want people to see my process. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people like that. You have the same thing in music too, especially with electronics and pro tools. And, but if the end result, if a guy plays a riff one time, I've done this in, in my, I can do this with my, what little bit I have in my studio. I can play a riff one time. Mm-hmm. I just got to play it once for, for four or eight bars. I can loop that over as if I got everything sequenced properly and there I got my, my end result. Now me, typically I like to have that nuance that comes from, you know, cause I'm not going to hit that right on the, right on the downbeat every time, or I might uh, bend the note just slightly here, there, you know, I like that kind of thing. So I normally don't like to work that way, but if the end result is it's something that rocks or it's something that moves you or, or especially in dance music or, you know, a lot of this pop music is, is like that. That doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's still the end result is if there's a song that you like, or there's a painting that you like, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's still, or I, I, I do say that like, if you're tracing, uh, um, a piece of work that already exists, mm-hmm. then that's a little bit different, but you know, that's a lot, that's right. just like playing a cover song. And a lot of people, you know, they don't want to hear you do that. They want to hear the original artist do that. So, right. I mean, or at least same. have a version of it. Right. That's, I love hearing put, versions, put your own spin on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, that made me think a little bit of, you know, is, uh, being a drummer, I hate drum machines. Anything that you can buy that will just play your beat for you, you're done. You don't need the drummer. I think there's certain genres of music that just doesn't work. You know, you're not going to be able to put a DJ behind, you know, you you can't have a metal concert with a DJ back here doing your, Well, you know what I mean? I, I played with a band called Clean Flesh, yeah. and the best part about their band was their drummer, and their drummer was a drum machine. And he was awesome. <laughs> you just threw me for a big loop. So their their drummer was a little plastic box yes, that had lights that, on it. That they brought with him. Yeah. And they had it all programmed. Yeah. And uh they they uh I don't even know any of the guys in the band, but we played my old band, my old metal band back in the nineties played with him. And uh see I can't I can't go see Iron Maiden without Nico. No. I just can't. No, yeah. but it's, it's, it's different. It's like, um, with like, okay, so you bring up a good point. So that's like with, with easy drummer and some of these, I've played on some sessions where, mm-hmm. where it's been another musician that's, that's programmed all this stuff. They're all samples from live, live drummers actually mm-hmm. hitting them, you know, so you got, there is some nuance there and they program these and it, it's hard to even tell when you hear the, yeah. I mean, the technologies comes such a long way and then by the flip side you think a lot of the best drum parts that that were um drum machines yeah. they were programmed by drummers i mean it's i saw that uh that special about backing musicians had kenny arnoff in there yeah and he did all the he did the drum machine parts for the the john cougar mellencamp stuff that was in there right, until his right. live drums come in i feel like if you got 
if you got somebody you're using it as an instrument, then it's a lot different than just hitting a pro a pre-programmed beat that's on the keyboard. Yeah. If you got a drummer that's doing that, or someone that has some kind of musical sense, some kind of rhythmic sense uh, that understands drums, yeah, I think it can be a great instrument. But live, I want to see a, yeah, I want to see a live drummer. Are, are we losing the art though? I mean, you can go into Pro Tools and you can move a note fractionally to make it correct. It'll even correct for you on timing. You know, if you would ask me 15 or 20 years ago, I would have said yes. But I mean, watching my engineer work, um, the last, the last couple CDs I've been involved in, Mm -hmm. you really see the art in that too. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is the engineer, the artist at that point is the producer. I think that's where we're going with pop music. I think pop music has become so canned and so opportunistic that if they get a pretty girl up there who can do the part and dance really well, they can kind of fake the voice. I mean, you know. If the beat rocks and, you know, it gets people yeah. on the dance floor, that's yeah. all that matters. And at that point, the the uh, artist, the producer, the the uh, engineer, they're all working together, but the producer and the engineer are really the conductor of this thing. Yeah. and I and, just feel like the art goes away. It's, I the think the art changes. Goes. Because there is an there is an art in as a producer of getting the best out of somebody. There's yeah. a there is an well, art of hearing yeah. hearing what works and what doesn't. Sing this, and you hear that, and and it's like, man, that's just. You can see that if you watch, if you're a Metallica fan and you watch a year and a half in the life of, and you watch them in the studio recording a yeah. black album with Bob Rock, you understand really what a producer really does at yeah. that point and how you can get the best out of people, how you can hear certain things that maybe the band could be too close to. Yeah. yeah. Um Mutt Lang was good with Def Leppard. And Shania Twain. Yeah. I mean, Shania's stuff, whether you like country or not, you can't you can't deny that there's quality work there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's their art. That's their art of making they can hear that. They got an ear for that. And yeah. Oftentimes, that's been my role in studio things I've been involved in is hearing, yeah. hey, man, you know, I, you can do this better. You know, you got to know who you can, who you break balls with, who you nurture. Um, there's an art to that. You know, some people don't react well. That Man, that didn't really work. You know, it's like, it's like, man, that was great. You can do this a little better. Or some of them don't react to that. They don't understand any direction. It's like, hey, you you sang that too high or, yeah. or, you know, that solo was whack, man. You know, that's yeah. just awful. You got to piss them off. Right. Um, knowing how to do that. And as I've recorded and worked with more and different people, uh, throughout my, you know, career, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I've really seen that. It's given me a lot more respect for producers and engineers yeah. because the work that's involved and. Yeah. It's a collaborative effort. It really it is. is. The music, Music industry itself is uh, is very collaborative. I think there's a lot of things that have to happen there. Unfortunately, there's people who get in it that, you know, the suits who just, you know, they're they're profiteers. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. No. But it's just at some level, I think it's become crap that the artist doesn't get the lion's share of the money. No. It's always what's ever left over. Yeah. But, you know, they – um it's funny because like when I was younger and I was making music, I was real, 
I was real protective of my bass lines or, or mm -hmm. something that I wrote. Mm -hmm. It's, okay, I wrote it like this. This is how it was. I wanted to be involved. I needed to be involved in the mixing. I needed to be involved in the, in the, um, uh, you know, what everybody else is doing. Right. Okay, what's this guy playing over what I'm doing? And as I've gotten older, I've been able to let go a lot of that. When uh, Brian Rohde actually produced the last couple MG Flash records mm -hmm. and uh, uh, produced the Grimstone record, and it's funny because other than a few key things and and that I needed to make sure was in there, we we were to the point a lot of times. I was like, well, just mix it, send it to us, yeah. and it's like it's fun to see what another another artist comes up with, right? And yeah. you know, he had a lot. Of, there's uh, if you listen to any of any of the Flash records, especially there's some samples in there from from uh, different things, and there's some different mix choices that he's done that never. In a million years, I would have thought of doing, or would have. It would never have flown had we been there. And he hit that button, and it's like no. But yeah. you, you let see what someone else does, and some stuff we keep, some stuff we didn't. Yeah. And uh, you know, well, you guys you, more or less did that when when I was there taking photos for the uh, the album, uh, the road. Yeah. Uh, MG Flash. Um, it was you know do your thing, you know I. It was, you had a, a clear vision for one, what you wanted, but two, it was, okay, here's our vision. You do it how you need to do it and we'll, we'll follow suit. And that I, I've had other jobs, other commercial jobs actually that just didn't go well because it was heavy handed by the client. And it seems like the more money that's involved the more heavy handed the client becomes. And then you end up getting somebody who's, you know, they can't understand why their iPhone shot they feel <laughs> looks better than the shots you're taking. It's like, well, I'm shooting really flat. So I have a lot of leeway in post, you know, <laughs> it, well, they can't see the end. Yeah. See, when, when you're saying it's the same way with the music, when the, it's, you know, you're listening to the playback in the control room and, yeah. and the reverb's not right. And the, the, bass is a little too loud and, right and it's like yeah, the well, near fields don't sound the same as your car right yeah yeah it's like we haven't done this yet just calm down you You're know right. and it's the same way with the photos and and yeah i had i and we we had a, a we we had an idea of what we wanted that to look like but also knowing how you work and you know i mean it's it it might have been different had you been somebody we had never worked with right but we just knew you would take that and you would do your thing with it and it would knock it out of the park. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it so. was fun. It was a fun day though. I mean, it's, I think, yeah. I think when you do that collaboratively, if you're working with a team, I think if you put fun first, I mean, you got a job to do. I get that. But if you're all professionals anyway, then getting the job done shouldn't be the problem. Well, that's an example when money gets in the way. If, if, if you had, if we had a label that was giving us, you know, ten thousand dollars to make this cover or right, something right then you can see how somebody might be interested especially if it's an indie label that you know ten thousand right. dollars is, right. is over <laughs> half of their budget for the record yeah. you know what i'm and saying you're not hiring the photographer at that point it's the label is right you know and the label says this is how it goes and that 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 pissed me off so much in the music industry because you know for about five years there i was going to shows a lot of times on my own dime uh, trying to find whatever whatever publication I could get into, I would call them and say, hey, do you need another shooter? And no, we got plenty. 
and then you just keep going and going and going. And then, then the harsh reality of knowing how to get into Rolling Stone was going to be, I didn't realize that you know, unless I can give up every Wednesday for the next three years and sit in their lobby, hoping that somebody walks out of this out of the office door and goes, Hey, you over there, that the fat guy, you know, the one looks older than everybody else. Come in here. You're shooting with a Nikon, right? Yeah. Yeah. We want you to do this. We're only going to give you $50. We might use one of your pictures, but, but can you do that? You know, I, I don't have that kind of time. I don't live in New York city. I, I can't just do it. And I was busting my tail constantly. And I was seeing these photos. I won't mention any names, but I was seeing these photos come out by certain record labels of their bands that looked like utter shit. I mean, it just, it was terrible. Right. It's like, really? You're, you're using that? Is that what you're allowing? That's your image? And then working for the magazine I was working with at the time, we would have press photos sent to us saying, you can't use anything you shot. This will be what goes in the magazine. And we're like, wow. Really? This is terrible. You know, it was just amazing. Um, I, I almost said somebody I shouldn't say, but there was, there was one particular metal guy that, you know, godlike status for me, you know, this stuff got sent to us to say, yeah, use this for your cover. And there was a, like a hotel bed sheet behind him. And it wow. wrinkles everywhere. I mean, they, they didn't even try to get the, they didn't try to get the folds out before they shot the picture. And it, it was terrible. The lighting was bad. The, it was just awful. And I just like sitting here thinking to myself, you know, I, I could have shot that in five minutes, you know, with my lights, a good background, you know, give me, give me 30 minutes to go inside and set up. And then your artist can walk in. I'll shake his hand. We'll talk for a minute. I'll take a few shots. We'll giggle. Take a few more shots. We'll giggle some more. Hey, have a great day. You know, your work's done. Mine begins. And I could have done that. But because I'm some kid in Chillicothe, Ohio, with a camera, without the same connections as the guy they hired, that's just how it Right. The industry works and it works that way for a lot of artists. I'm not, I know I'm not saying anything that other artists don't already feel, but this is really important to understand as an artist, you have to find your own thing, your own people, you know, get out there and do your thing. So I don't know, this has an opportunity to move into something totally different than what we started out as today, but right. And I, I just think, you know, the crutches that we get involved in, they, they can hurt us. I, I think, um, I, I didn't realize that guilty pleasures was such a, such a point for you. <laughs> it, piss, it pisses me off. I've posted about it a few times. It's um, just, yeah. Like, like what you like, man. Like yeah, what yeah, you like. Yeah. If you I like, don't mean it in a negative if, way. If you're 45 years old and you like to watch the Teletubbies, I mean, that's not, I'm going to judge you, but you should not allow my judgment yeah. to affect whether you like something or not. That's, I hate that, man. It's a, you see that in school or, or um, a lot. You know, I remember it's somebody be real excited about something and they really like this and then their friends don't like it. Now it sucks. <laughs> it's like, well, right. I guess when I'm thinking of guilty pleasures, I'm not thinking that route. I'm thinking more like, what do you really like that you're almost a little bit embarrassed to let people know about? You know, 
That's kind of where I'm In sync, no strings attached. It's that's, a great. It's that, that is a great really? record. Oh my God, it's so good. What are you, 12? <laughs> See? Exactly. <laughs> Suck me, Mike. I like what I like. But no, that's true. It is a great record. And uh, I seen them on HBO um, doing a concert years yeah. back. And they all they did one song where they all played instruments. I thought, well, that's cool. Yeah. that's It validated it for me a little bit. And I was yeah. like, I'll, I'll listen. And it just... That record just rocks, and I like it. It yeah. just, I don't know. Well, I just, love the movie Rockstar. Yeah, see, it's... You know, Mark Wahlberg does a terrible. really good job playing a front man from a rock band of the 80s. Yeah, lip lip syncing to uh, uh, the guy from Steelheart and the yeah. guy from, uh, what, I think Jeff Scott Soto did some vocals on that, yeah. too. Stand up and shout. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just good stuff, you know. Um I don't know. You like what you like, man. It's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You know, I just don't, I don't know. I don't get embarrassed anymore, but, you know, it used to be. Well, a lot of people love Queen right now. I mean, it, they did then too, but it yeah. seems like now that the popularity has come back out from the movie and all these Oh, yeah. Things. It seems like a no-brainer to love Queen now, but there was a time when, I mean, you know, Queen wasn't always, that wasn't right. really a, a band, a lot of. Metal guys was listening to right. I, I think, and as soon as people found out he was gay, it was terrible. Right, you know, which right. which was just <laughs> it's like really does it matter <laughs> if you like the music? Does it matter? <laughs> I think Metallica actually deserves some credit for uh, kind of giving them some metal credibility back when they played. Um, you know, they did Stone Cold Crazy, yeah, uh, for the Electra um, box set. I don't know if you remember when that came out, but it was all Electra artists doing other Electra artists mm -hmm. and uh, they did Stone Cold Crazy on there and I bought that I got it somewhere on cassette I think um, it was like $55 or something I mean really? astronomical back in the in the late 80s early 90s yeah. whenever it was well it had to be probably early 90s yeah it was early 90s and uh, I bought that just because Metallica was on there doing this I didn't know it was it was Queen I didn't yeah. really I wasn't that familiar yeah. with Queen that's an unusual song for Queen though it's, right. it, it's not you know, a lot of their songs, you know, and you take uh, what uh, somebody loves, got that fifties, yeah, fifties kind of thing, yeah. and bicycle, and I think a band like that, this not a lot of bands can't get away with that. They put something out, and you have to sound like this, and yeah. that that band yeah. put out all this. They but got a song for every genre. It's shattered perception, is what it boils down to. You know, the the fan has their thought process. You know, especially back in the seventies. 80s even the early 90s we 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 heard them on the radio we had a vision in our mind what they were and you just didn't have everything so visual like we do today i mean you can you can get on any of the platforms on the internet and and see people in normal everyday life right in those days it was more wow well, really i just want to go see that band and then you go see them live and it's like oh, they that's kind of lame you know, <laughs> right? Uh, and you do your thing. And I remember, I remember being a kid um, in the '80s, listening to some people talk about a band called Judas Priest. I was like, "Oh, that must be evil," you know, as a goody little church kid. It's a great name. It is. It is like, oh, how can how can you call your name Judas Priest? You know. And then when I heard it, I thought, well, it's not really all that evil. I don't really hear anything evil in it. 
That early stuff's basically like hippie, hippie. Oh yeah, diamonds like and rust and all all those dreamer deceiver. Yeah, all those older older songs just really you could just hear it right. And then when you finally get to see the band perform, it's like, well, that's that's different. Their their lead singers moving in a way I've not seen before, you know. <laughs> and you start thinking things, right? And and I think you know where I'm going with this. Then. When Rob decided he was going to let everybody know that he was gay, it was amazing to me how many metalheads said, fuck that band. I'll never listen to them again. Right. It's like, are you really, are you really going to be that shallow? You know? And I just, I really, really, really hated that yeah. because I mean, we all kind of sensed it. Right. Well, the thing is about, I didn't, I wasn't a fan until much later. I didn't become a fan of Judas Priest till Ripper Owens really. Yeah. So that's what got me in. And, and then that got me into the back catalog and, for me, Halford was in fight. Yeah, you know, to be. I, yeah. It was just that they were just. I was in the Sabbath and some of that stuff, but Priest was just right. one of those bands I just didn't really, I didn't love until later on. But the thing is, especially back, back in the early '80s, and and you know what could be, you know, metal was supposed to be about rebellion and yeah, and all this stuff and anti-establishment and what could be more rebellious and anti-establishment than having a leather clad gay guy <laughs> right, screaming right, high right. vocals at you at, at you know, <laughs> high decibels. And I mean, it just, it just funny how a certain segment of that community yeah. kind of acted for a minute, but nobody cares now. It's right. Just not, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah. He's the metal God and, and, it doesn't matter, and as it shouldn't. One know. of the reasons I'm going this route is I had found out that the Chinese government, during the the airing of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, mm -hmm. they cut out all references to him being gay, um, because they didn't want that. It's like it, they're still very locked in 1952 or whatever, thinking you just can't can't know. Mm -mm. I'm thinking, well, there's no story there. You're taking the character arc completely out of the story for the sake of your own insecurity that really doesn't even affect you, right? Right. So, I don't know. This was a good talk, I think. We've... Uh, it's taken a lot out of me, Mike. And it I like that beer, too. but I saved you. I didn't pour it all out of the can out, so I didn't waste it. That was oh, really okay. good. I like yeah. It. Yeah, well, you're you're doing stuff today. I'm not. I got Sunday. I got to drive down to P Town. No, oh, I see. Oh wait, see. that sounds it's not a sexual thing. It's Port <laughs> Portsmouth. That's what we that when you're hip, when you're hip and in the artist community in Chillicothe, you call yeah, it Portsmouth yeah. P Town. You go P Town. Sometimes you drive up to the Big D. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The Dirty Town. Yeah, Big D. Dayton. This is going. We we well, we're really ending on a low note, Mike. I love it. <laughs> well, I I know this was a a much more somber episode than usual i'm still kind of tired i don't think so don't be uh don't have guilty pleasures like right and, and don't ask me that question again because you really pissed me <laughs> off but we only have pleasure if it gives you pleasure it's and you're not, not hurting and you're not hurting anybody or yeah. or you're uh you know not demeaning so it's okay for me to yeah. sit around and watch netflix all day if that's what you want to do and it gives you pleasure yeah then you know, now if but I it's, feel guilty afterwards because I really should have made more art. If it's at the expense, uh, you know, if it's at the expense of your of your body of work, then that's a little bit different. But that's not yeah. a that's an addiction. Oh, that's not a guilty I, pleasure. See, I don't understand addiction. I just clearly. 
See, if you're shooting heroin and it's affecting your art negatively, then that's not you can't don't 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 email me and say, well, yeah, well, uh, you know, smoking crack is my guilty yeah. pleasure, and Paul says I shouldn't feel guilty about it. Well, I mean, if it makes you happy. And and you're and it's not affecting your day to day life, which I'm going to find that very hard to believe. But I mean, hey, who am I to who am I to judge? Okay, we're going to wrap this up. If you have any thoughts to what we talked about today, please let us know. Send us something on Twitter. Uh, join our Discord server. We can argue on there. If you want to come into Mike's Lounge and do that, mm-hmm. um, head on over to allwalksofart.simplecast. FM. You can find everything about us on there. That's where I'm going to leave it today because I'm kind of tired of the long endings. Go make something. Go do something. Do something creative. Yeah. Have a great day. We'll see you.